to Washington State University and the University of Oklahoma immediately benefits from that. Oklahoma basketball, eh, kind of been a rough two-game stretch, but it's okay. It's not close to time to pushing the panic button. Oh, yeah, by the way, have we talked about, going back to football, Oklahoma's offensive line recently? Um, There's some big news there and a good reason to be excited for 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Hofeld. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I'm going to just say this right at the front. I usually say at the begin at the end, I don't know if you stick around for that part, so let me say it right now. Thanks for listening, and if you don't mind, giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or TuneIn or iHeartRadio, wherever you're picking us up. Thanks so much. Let's start with uh, basketball. Oklahoma loses 66-52 to Tuesday night in Lloyd Noble Arena to the number six team in the nation, the Kansas Jayhawks. This is okay. This is A-OK. Even the fact that they lost at Iowa State is OK. And here's the reason why. You're sitting two and two in conference, okay? You're two and two in conference. You've got one win on the road. You've got one loss at home. As long as those road wins and home losses balance each other out, you're you're going to be okay in conference play. You're going to have a chance to be – look, Oklahoma is not going to be a team that – I mean, I feel bad saying this because I'm a fan, but, you know, we try to be real, realistic as we can. Oklahoma is not going to be a team that is going to compete to win the Big 12 championship this season. They're not. But they are a team that I believe can not only be on the bubble for the NCAA tournament, but be on the top half of that bubble and have a chance to go on the dance. You lost by 14 points to the number six team in the country, and your best player – your guy that you really count on night in and night out, Austin Reeves, one for nine. If you want to find out why Oklahoma lost to Kansas, well, Austin Reeves is your answer. That's the that's that's where you want to look right there. One for nine from the floor, 0 for 5 from three-point range, even two for four from the free throw line. It was a bad night for Austin Reeves, and that was the biggest difference in this game. Overall, the Oklahoma Sooners did not shoot the ball well, just – 30, just over 30% from the floor, 30.6, 66.7 from the free throw line, but they only got to the free throw line nine times. That means they made six of the nine. It, it, this was one of those things. If you're asking me as a guy who's on the outside looking in when it comes to this team and this program and particularly this game against Kansas, this was a big game, a big environment, a big setting for a team that doesn't have a lot of experience. Uh, you, you've got Kristen Doolittle, your only senior on the team. you got Brady Manick, who's a, probably the most experienced guy really playing. He's got, I think, career minutes as a, just a junior. He's probably got more significant minutes logged than Doolittle does altogether. I mean, it's just it's – just, you got Devian Harmon with 13 points, a, a true freshman – this was a thing, Oklahoma, Kansas, 28-27, the Sooners down by one at the half, and Kansas just 13 points better in the second half. And the guy that has been the driving force behind this basketball program shoots one of nine on the night. It is not time, it's not close to time to hit the panic button if you're an Oklahoma basketball fan. I, I don't think anybody expected them to be on the level of Kansas. But you're on the level with Kansas State. You're on the same level with Texas. I, I, I think they're closer, truthfully, 
I think they're closer to Iowa State than the 13-point loss they showed in Ames. But here's the thing. If you listen to the last episode, I said Oklahoma's playing with house money. Now they're out. They're out of house money. You get, you get that win at Texas. That means you can lose a home game. They really could have used the win at Iowa State. They didn't get it. It wasn't the end of the thing, but now everything's even. You're 2-2 two and two on the season. You've got two wins on the road, two wins at home. That didn't sound right, did it? You're two, let, me, let me start that over. You're 2-2 two and two on the season. You got a win on the road. You got a win at home. You got a loss on the road. You got a loss at home. Everything's even right now for this team. What becomes important now is Saturday's game against TCU. That's going to be a big game. That, if you're if you're looking for the must-win opportunity now for Oklahoma, there it is. Lloyd Noble Center, TCU, Saturday. And the reason why is because your next two are on the road. So you, And, by the way, on the road at Baylor, on the road at Kansas State, before you come home for Bedlam. And you've got to, you know, you step out of conference for that Big 12 SEC thing versus Mississippi State on the 25th of January. But sticking to conference play, if you can take this stretch of TCU, Baylor, Kansas State, and go two for three in that stretch, not bad. Not bad at all. Whether you're an athlete, a weekend warrior, or someone who just deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent. Most over-the-counter pain relievers such as Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one basic cooling effect, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns in an hour or so. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while also providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze, CBD developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription triple-action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is... This 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than the -the over-the-counter products. It's super easy to throw in your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. You simply just roll it on wherever it hurts and ice out the pain with an Arctic Blast. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter the code OVERTIME to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's omaxhealth.com and enter the promo code OVERTIME to get 20% off CryoFreeze and site-wide. CryoFreeze is an advanced pain relief product line that was inspired by cryotherapy, which means cold therapy. The treatment exposes the body to cold temperatures in order to numb and reduce pain or inflammation. Professional athletes such as PGA Pro Kyle Stanley use this type of cryotherapy on a regular basis. The real secret behind CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on is its two leading-edge pain relief ingredients. CBD, known for its unique therapeutic effect on cellular pain receptors, and menthol for its soothing sensation to pain. 
CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on can be used four times a day and again it works within 10 minutes of the application improving physical training recovery performance and then it supports more comfortable sports activity so if you're looking to relieve your muscle and joint pain within 15 minutes and you need a natural yet powerful solution that is tested and works try cryofreeze pain relief roll-on this quick absorbent scientifically backed formula provides pain relief instantly and if pro athletes use it, well, it must work, right? Remember, go to omaxhealth.com today. Enter the code OVERTIME to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's O-M-A-X-Health.com and enter the code OVERTIME to get 20% off of CryoFreeze and items site-wide. Long Kruger's team is flawed, and we knew that. They're winning games by an average of 73 to 70. But rebounding, I mean, they're 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 not a great rebounding team. They're really not a, a great team at this point with assist. Just over eleven assists a game is what they're averaging. This is a team that's full of of young guys, first year players from junior college. I mean, it, it's it's Lon Kruger is doing a good job. And I know it's hard to see that in the midst of back-to-back double-digit double losses. But this isn't – this is not the eighth – I've said this all along, and I'm going to keep saying it. It is not the eighth best team in the Big 12 like they were voted preseason. You, you've got the heavy hitters in the Big 12. We've talked about it. You've got Baylor, who right now is the best team in the Big 12. You've got Kansas, which we saw in Norman on Tuesday night. If West Virginia, I've said this, if they can figure out the offense, they're pretty dang good. And you got Texas Tech. That, that's your top four. That, that is the top tier of teams in the Big 12. But then that second tier, there's still guys that, there's still teams that can compete to get in the NCAA tournament. And Oklahoma's very much in that second tier. And they're there with, TCU and Kansas State and Oklahoma State and Iowa State. And it, it looks like right now Iowa State may have a lead on that. You know, that, that second pack. Texas is struggling. Oklahoma State, wait, we talk about Baylor. I mean, West Virginia trying to figure out their offense. Mike Boyden's got some work cut out for him as well. Oklahoma State's struggling to score points. Bottom line is you got to ask yourself, are there nine wins left on this schedule? I, I, I still say yes. I still don't see how you can say Oklahoma can't make the NCAA tournament. And I don't know that you are saying that or anybody else is saying that, but that begins, that begins the panic button. You know, you get into conference play, you're four games in, you got a two-game winning, losing streak, and you're thinking, are we going to make the NCAA tournament? Yes, yes, you can, but you got to. It's got to start on Saturday. I, if Oklahoma loses this game against TCU in Norman, well, let's just be honest, is a possibility. If Oklahoma drops that game, then you put your hand on the panic button. You don't push it yet, but you put your hand on the panic button. But if Oklahoma can can win in Norman. By the way, just clicked on it. ESPN matchup predictor has Oklahoma as a 
0.5% chance of winning this game. If you're able to win this game in Norman, and then you can go get another one on the road at Kansas State, yeah, we'll be having a whole different conversation next week. But if you want to look for teams that are in trouble right now in conference play, I think you start with Kansas State, 0-4. You start with Oklahoma State, 0-3. You look at Texas, 1-2. That's where you have those conversations. I don't think you have that conversation about Oklahoma right now. Okay, let's come back around and let's talk about Alex Grinch. Um, You know, look, you know me. If you listen to the podcast, by the way, keep saying things. I don't mind saying when I was right. Because I also don't mind saying when I was wrong. And and to be fair, I, I'm wrong quite a bit. But in the last episode of this podcast, I said there you don't have to worry. I, I gave three reasons why you didn't have to worry about Alex Grinch going to Washington State. The only way that was going to happen, the only way, I, in my opinion, that was going to happen, is what I said, was if it was a cash grab. You know, if Washington State was going to back up the truck and throw a bunch of money at Alex Grinch, then they might be able to sway him away from what's going on in Norman. But it turns out that's not the case. That's that's not what Alex Grinch is interested in. I mean, when you're making one and a half million dollars a year at an institution like the University of Oklahoma, it's okay. I mean, you're you're pretty comfortable, pretty satisfied, especially when you have the product on the field going in your favor. So Alex Grinch declines to interview with Washington State. And really a move that that was just news that shouldn't have surprised anybody. He was the sexy pick, like I said. He was the guy that, you know, kind of got conversations going, kind of was able to generate clicks and people listening in. But what you got to look also is what's going on with the recruiting trail. Almost immediately after Alex Grinch declines to be interviewed by Washington State, the Sooners get a 2022 commitment from Kobe McKenzie. Now, you may be like, okay, who's Kobe McKenzie? Because I, I don't blame you for that. I'm the guy who doesn't really get excited. Like right now, I'm not excited about 2021 recruits. I'm really not. I'm not excited about 2020 recruits that are committed but not signed. I mean, this this 2020 class is shaping up pretty good for Oklahoma, and I don't think they're done. But what I'm saying is 2022, meh, okay. You still got two years of high school left. You still got to, you know a ton of people who are going to talk to you and try to bend your ear. But it is significant that Kobe McKenzie committed to the University of Oklahoma because he just happens to be the nation's number one rated outside linebacker prospect. He's got a great frame at 6'3", 227 pounds. Guess where he's from? Lubbock, Texas. Right in in Matt Wells' backyard. He's the number two ranked prospect from the state of Texas and the 38th ranked prospect overall across the country. And like I said, it's it's hard to get excited 
about a 2021, much less a 2022 recruit. But the news here, what you're looking at is the impact of Alex Grinch being with this program. Not not that they've got a kid to recruit, to, to commit. That's okay. That happens across the board. Every coach is ever coached at any university has gotten someone to commit. So that's not the story here. The story here is they got one of the top recruits in all of the nation to not only listen, but to commit. And it was Brian Odom, Oklahoma's linebacker coach, who really towed the rope on this. McKenzie said that Odom and the relationship that he had with his linebackers was very evident and one of the primary reasons why he wanted to come to the University of Oklahoma. And when you look at like the exit interview of Kenneth Murray, well, it just makes sense. Now, Oklahoma has a kid coming in for 2020 that's going to be just ahead of McKenzie, Shane Whittier. And he could, he's a guy who could bounce to the outside. He's, he's listed as an inside linebacker, but he's a guy who could bounce to the outside, a three-star prospect. The, the point I'm making is this. Oklahoma needs to beef up on defense. That's not a secret to anybody. Certainly not a secret to the coaches. They see teams like Clemson, like LSU, and they want everybody watch that game Monday night. And you can see a difference, not just in, in schematics of what the defense is able to do, but in just the 11 bodies that line up on the field. And I'm not your typical guy. I'm not your typical Oklahoma fan who, well, and when I say typical, I'm just saying typical for social media because you, you may not be this guy either. I, I don't think Oklahoma is as far away from LSU and Clemson as I think your average guy on Twitter. And and I, I, I don't think the answer, and I, I've said this, I don't think the answer to Oklahoma's problems is joining the SEC. I think joining the SEC creates more problems than it answers or gives you solutions. If the SEC is the answer to Oklahoma's problems, then explain to me how in the world Clemson is so competitive. I mean, not just competitive, but national championship worthy. And before you, please don't, but before you jump back and say, well, they lost to the SEC. Okay. Let's talk about what they did the year before that. In fact, let's talk about what they've done the last four years. You realize the only team... That's won five. Other, the only other team in the country that's won five consecutive conference titles right now is Clemson. So Oklahoma and Clemson have done something that no other team in the country has done. They're riding five game, five season conference winning streaks. But yet Clemson's able to get to the national championship game coming out of the ACC, which is not a better conference than the Big Twelve. So let's stop thinking that we have to go to the SEC 
for Oklahoma to be competitive. That's not true. That's not the case. That's not even close to being the case. Oklahoma needs to keep doing what they did in 2019 and what they're doing in 2020 by reevaluating the type of players they want on the defensive side of the ball and going after them. And that's what you're seeing happen with Kobe McKenzie. And, and you saw you see that with some of the length that Oklahoma's adding in 2021. And before you again, that's that's fine. Let, let's discuss. Let's talk. Let's debate if you want to. But before you you load your arsenal, your uh, your uh, uh, you know of all of your information and all your your things you're going to say to me, your talking points. Can I ask you this? Can I ask you just one question? What did LSU do last season? Not 2019, but in 2018. Where was LSU? And if you're like an average Joe guy, you're probably going, what did LSU do in 2018? Were they good? Well, I think it's the no-dust statement to say that they're not as good as they were in 2019, right? You add a couple of guys in the mix. You've got some talented receivers. You get a guy like Joe Burrow who can not only uh, read downfield passes, but make with pinpoint precision. Not a runner, but he's a scrambler. All of a sudden, you got the best offense in the country. you got a defense that um, really just kind of waits and, and bides its time and, and then takes advantage of opportunity. And then suddenly you forget, hmm, this was a three-loss team. In 2018, suddenly you forget this is a team that got shut out against Alabama. This is a team that lost at Florida. Here's what you've forgotten. This is a team that lost 74 to 72 to Texas A&M. LSU was close in 2018. They hit the mark in 2019. Oklahoma's close in 2019. I still say the best team Oklahoma has fielded during the college football playoff era was the Rose Bowl team with Baker Mayfield that lost to Georgia. I I think as much as I loved watching Jalen Hurts and much as I enjoyed this team in 2019, I mean, if you were at the Big 12 championship game or watched the Big 12 championship game, you got nothing but warm fuzzies still. But I think the 2019 version of the Oklahoma Sooners was the worst playoff team Oklahoma has sent. But 2020? Look, guys. 2020, is this is going to be a team that's going to build for 2020 and 2021 to make some deep runs. I think there's going to be some challengers in 2020. We'll talk about that eventually. We, we'll we have to get to that. There'll, there'll be some challengers in 2020. But, but look at Oklahoma's young crop of receivers. By the way, when we mentioned receivers and Theo Weiss and all those other guys, we didn't mention Mims. 
That, that dude's a stud coming into Oklahoma. If you're if you're not uh, if you're not familiar with him, you're gonna want to get a hold of some of his highlights and stats. Four-star recruit out of Frisco, Texas. This is a class that's going to be deep. They're going to have receivers for days. Then you add Theo Howard, the grad transfer, to give you some senior leadership. All I'm saying is this. This is the point I'm making, and we'll move on from here. What I'm saying is, in 2018, LSU was close. They gave 74 points to Texas A&M, but they were close. 2019, LSU was a national champion. Oklahoma has been close. There's absolutely nothing to indicate that Oklahoma is going away. There was everything to indicate that Oklahoma is getting better at what they do, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So let's stop. Let's stop getting mad. Because we're getting a grad transfer in Theo Howard and not some grad transfer at the defensive back position. Let's stop getting mad about that. Let's stop saying that Oklahoma needs to move and become a member of the SEC so we can be competitive. Let's just stop all that nonsense. And let's realize exactly how close the Sooners are. Speaking of Oklahoma being close in 2020... You know, offensively, we've we've talked quite a bit about Oklahoma's receivers. We've talked about the addition of Theo Howard. We've talked about Oklahoma's quarterbacks and the addition, not the addition, but the spring battle between Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai. One thing we haven't talked about a lot is running backs and where Oklahoma stands at the running back position. And then what I believe also, I'm going to give you what I believe is the key position to Oklahoma's offensive success, I'm even going to give you the player's name. But Oklahoma's offensive success in 2020, in my opinion, relies heavily upon one guy. And it may be, maybe be a, a bit of a surprise as to who that guy is. Kennedy Brooks coming back. He'll be a redshirt junior. I, I believe he'll be in his final season at the University of Oklahoma in 2020. I think he's just too explosive. I think he's got some things he wants to polish off in the areas of blocking. Um, and those, th- those type of things to improve, uh, impress some NFL scouts. I don't think he was satisfied, nor should he, should he be, with the type of season he had in 2019. It was a no-brainer to me that Kenny Brooks expected to, to be back in 2020. Now, conversely, I was, I was shocked that Chuba Hubbard's coming back to Oklahoma State. That's another conversation for another time. It makes the Cowboys extremely dangerous for 2020, and I know that makes a lot of us chuckle and laugh when we think about Oklahoma being extremely dangerous, but I've got some thoughts on Oklahoma State that I need to share because I think they're offensively they can be really, really good. Um, but then again, it's Oklahoma State. So we, we need to have that conversation maybe in uh, the next podcast or so. How much of a factor do you think Ramondre Stevenson is going to be in 2020? Here's what I mean. Who knows what's going on with Trey Sermon? I I think he's coming back. I think he's coming back healthy. I think he'll be very limited in the spring. But then you look at guys like TJ Pledger, who'll be a junior, Marcus Major, who'll be a redshirt freshman, Ramondre Stevenson, and 
again, if, if you listen to this podcast, you know how high I have been on Ramondre Stevenson. But he's a guy who's going to be suspended for five games. He's going to miss the first month of the season and then some. Is he going to be able to work his way back to where he was in 2019? It's a kid that had all the potential in the world coming in from junior college. I would say exceeded expectations in 2019 and then just totally let the team down by popping for drugs. And when you compare him to some of the other guys that got popped, you think, well, Trajan Bridges, I mean, he's he's only going to be a sophomore, so he's going to miss five games, and he's still going to have a lot of a lot of time left. That's not going to be the case for Amandre Stevenson. And I think there's going to have to be some trust that gets earned back. And I, knowing what I know about Lincoln Riley, or at least what I, I think I know about Lincoln Riley, I don't believe it's going to be a situation where Game six, Ramondre Stevenson just gets handed the ball and they're like, hey, welcome back, buddy. We've been looking for you. I'm I'm fairly confident that he is going to have to earn everything he has in 2020. And that can do one or two things to you as an athlete. The first thing it can do, and hopefully this is what happens with Ramondre Stevenson, is it, it can absolutely 100% motivate you. You got you, you've already earned it once. You know you let your team down. You know you let it go. You you know you cost. You know you hurt you hurt everybody. You you know that. And you know you have to earn back trust of your teammates and trust of your coaches. So right now, you're working your tail off a spring practice approach. During spring workouts, you're the hardest working guy out there, even though you're going to be limited on carries. There's no way Ramondre Stevenson is going to get the number of carries this spring that he should have gotten had he been eligible day one of 2020. Because you've got to take a deeper look at some of the other guys in your in, on your roster because you don't have him for five weeks. And when summer hits, you're a team leader. You're doing things the right way. You've got a positive attitude. And then those first five weeks of the season, when you're you're literally – living through a nightmare as you're trying to help your teammates do the job that you should be doing. Hopefully this whole thing motivates Ramondre Stevenson to work even harder than what he already had done coming to Oklahoma. But the the flip side of that, the, the, the other side of that coin is, I mean, it, it could just cause you to become lethargic. And you got to watch out for that, the, the the woe is me mentality. Now I don't care. I really don't care where you stand on the situation with drugs. I, I don't care what your recreational use stance is. Rules are rules, and he broke them. And there are consequences to breaking rules. Subsequently, there are consequences, good consequences, to following rules. 
Ramondre Stevenson broke the rules. If he takes on the, oh, woe is me, everybody feels sorry for me, everybody does it, I, I, I've, you know, takes on that approach, watch out because we may have seen the best thing we'll ever see from Ramondre Stevenson in 2019. So let's jump in here and close out by talking about what I believe is the key position for Oklahoma in 2020. Offensively, you're super talented at running back. You're super talented at quarterback. You're super talented and deep at wide receiver. The area, the unit that has to improve, and everybody knows this, is the offensive line. Now, the good news along the offensive line is that in the Peach Bowl, Oklahoma started four sophomores. So the lone senior was at left tackle, and that's R.J. Proctor, and he's gone. Thanks for coming. Grad transfer. It worked out, but now you're gone. The guy that we have to look, keep an eye at now is Eric Swinson. And Eric Swinson, I mean, he, he has everything as far as physically, everything necessary to be a great tackle at the next level. 6'5", 312 pounds. He's a redshirt junior, meaning this year he's been on campus for four years. 2020 will be his fifth season of college football. But he just, a combination of injury and a combination of experience, maybe quality experience, really got a hold of him. And he didn't have the type of season in 2019 that that people expected. And that left tackle position, it caused some problems. I mean, R.J. Proctor was the stop stopgap. He, he wasn't the answer there. I think Bill Biedenboe really wanted Eric Swenson to be that guy. And now he's got to figure it out because that left tackle position is going to be huge. You've got Marquise Hayes. He'll be a redshirt junior next year at the left guard. Creed Humphrey, the redshirt junior next year at center. Tyrese Robinson, a redshirt junior next year at right guard. Adrian Ely, a redshirt junior next year at right tackle. If Eric Swinson can't get it figured out at the left tackle position, look for a guy like Stacy Wilkins. He's a freshman this year, 6'6", 310, big body guy. I mean, think about it. He, he's a freshman. He'll be a sophomore next year. And he's got the same size on him, the same frame, basically, as a, a guy who's already been in college for four years in Eric Swinson. Stacey Wilkins right now is lined up on the right side of the ball, but he's young. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of, you know, everybody says you got potential, right? When you're when you're when you're young, look for the coaches to just examine the possibility of moving Stacy Wilkins over to that left tackle position from the right tackle position in an effort to either push Eric Swenson or to take that spot if Eric Swenson doesn't show the type of improvement that's needed. Now, I, I do need to say this, and, and it's don't don't overlook it. Health is a big issue. And Eric Swenson, if he's healthy, I, I don't see why he doesn't produce the way Oklahoma needs him to produce in his final season of college football. But he's got to get healthy. And he's got to stay healthy. But you're prudent if you have a backup plan. And so there, I'm, I'm, I'm labeled out there right now. 
the biggest the biggest position to look at for 2020 on Oklahoma's offense is left tackle. And that puts Eric Swenson in the spotlight and someone behind him, potentially Stacy Wilkins, to be the R.J. Proctor, to have to be the backup plan that you hope you never have to use. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being a part of the show. Uh, again, we'd love to hear from you. You, you can uh, hit us up on email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Also find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland, on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.